You're listening to a resource from Alpine Bible Church. Alpine Bible Church exists to know Christ Jesus together and to make Him known. We are located in Sugar Creek, Ohio. For more information, visit our website at alpinebible.org. May Jesus be glorified in your life. Chapter 2, I want to kind of finish the story today. We've been in this for four weeks. I want to finish it today. You know, Christmas uh, comes quickly, doesn't it? And it leaves quickly. Someone uh, said, uh, almost said Merry Christmas to me this morning, and I said something about, yeah, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I'm saying that because I'm in that mode right now. Is my wife in here? No, she is. Oh, hi, Marilyn, honey. So we bought a puppy. Oh, listen to you. Listen to you. Uh, that's what it sounded like about 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so we're dealing with that. And so, as I said, Christmas is the gift that keeps on yapping or something like that. It, it just continues, but we're uh, we're thrilled to uh, step into the new year, as most of us are today. Uh, and who knows what the year holds? Who knows what is going to happen this year? Because 2022 was, if you read Time Magazine or some other uh, reflection back on the year, uh, it was quite a year. Uh, it seems like every year is quite a year, but it seems like it's escalating, don't you think? I feel as though it is. Uh, everything's crazy. So we always, because our kids live in Canada, we're constantly uh, checking the weather. The weather's a big thing in our house because you have to drive through Buffalo or Detroit to uh, get back to Ohio. And so uh, we're always guarding, uh, guarding each other by checking the, the weather and, well, you can't leave on this day, you need to leave on this day. And so we're doing all of that. And uh, so even the weather has an impact in our lives. So many things do. This story has all kinds of elements that have made an impact on our Lord Jesus and all of those who love him and are involved in the story. And uh, I wanted to pick the story up at verse 15 of chapter 2 and just kind of wind this down and what it means to us today, sitting here going into a new year. So it was when the angels had gone away from them, that is the shepherds, into heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. This is a reflection of verse 11. Verse 11, which the angel said to the shepherds, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's what they're marveling about. That's what they're sharing as they go. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. 
uh, you know, the first thing before uh, we uh, press on is just to understand in the text that there's this uh, incredible moment, there's this incredible revealing. Uh, these men are going to, uh, are challenged to go and see what is happening, and uh, we're given sort of a sense of what that means and where to look and what to look for. And uh, the fact that these men were uh, telling folks that the Savior had been born, and then you know that they uh, sort of had to uh, add to the story the experience that they had, shepherds uh, being visited by angels, angels announcing the birth, this brilliant light. And you know, uh, if you understand the whole sense of the culture and what a shepherd meant to the culture, Shepherds were kind of worthless people. And so when a worthless person tells you they saw an angel last night, had a glorious revealing, and angels were shouting glory to God in the highest, and if an angel is, is saying that to a shepherd, someone's listening going, right, right, a shepherd. I mean, if it was uh, one of the wealthiest men in the land who said this, maybe you would buy into it a bit, believe that, but... Shepherds don't have much value, and uh, they're not educated, and so you know I doubt that that's what really happened. But they would have impacted the story with their personal experience. I, I say that in beginning this because as we enter into 2023, and as I feel like the crunch of the culture is upon us more and more, I feel as though as Christians, we are uh, uh, in the last stages of the game. Uh, and unlike Ohio State, we're going to finish well, aren't we? I'm kidding. But here's the thing. Uh, if you have anyone in your life that you're close to that does not know the Lord, you're going to want to share with them, I hope, what Christ means to you. And here's the thing. Our testimony is unique. Everyone in this room who knows Christ has a different testimony. When you got saved, how you got saved, who you heard when you got saved, what you were doing when you got saved. We all have a different version of the story, but the elements of the story are the same. That's the unique part, right? We all heard about Jesus Christ. We realized we were sinners. We asked him into our life. Uh, He did a work in us. He changed us. His spirit came into our life. We became new creatures in Christ, it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. So we had this experience Uh, in our lives. And so as we transfer that information to someone who doesn't know Christ, you and I both know how tough that is. Some folks receive that because they know us and maybe they think we're not off our rocker and so they're listening. Someone else who hears us transfer to them uh, what we believe and the elements of what we believe and that Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again. And when we start doing that, there's this, uh, by the way, he was virgin born. When, as soon as you say that, you've already lost most people listening to you. And when you start talking about a resurrection, people just check out. And so that's the culture we live in. The culture we live in, for the most part, rejects that story. It doesn't want to hear that story. And because we're saying that's the only way to get to God, that's a turnoff to most people who don't want to hear that because it's very confrontive, very confining, and not well-received. So when these shepherds are sharing what they saw and the amazing truth that they had, I guarantee you most people did not receive it. So when it says they made it widely known, yes, they, did. they, told, they evidently told everyone they saw. There's a challenge in that, isn't there, just for, for me today? Uh, how I'm so careful sometimes about who I'm going to say something to. 
that maybe we, we need to be a little less care, a little more careless and a little more less cautious and just let people know where we're at and what we believe and why we believe it in a loving way, in an excited way, actually. And I think people should hear the truth, but that's what they're doing, and it's a great challenge for us. Mary keeping it in her heart. Not sure what's all, all going to happen, but she's processing the shepherds leave. And then we come to verse 21. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So here's this confirmation from that moment when uh, uh, he was told what his name would be. And so they give that name out of obedience. It means Savior. And so uh, he's announced. And here's, uh, uh, you know, the, whoever was doing this, that whatever priest was holding Jesus at the time, uh, was holding his own Savior. Whether he even believed it or not isn't the issue. But that took place. He was circumcised. Uh, that's uh, according to the law, eight days afterwards. And then you come to verse 22. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, there's a lot packed in that because uh, just, just to remind us that from the moment she gave birth, Mary was impure for 40 days. A woman could not go back to the temple. She gave birth... Uh, uh, to a son, it was a, a certain length. If it was a daughter, it was a longer length. But uh, that was the case. And so uh, uh, there's a time gap here. And so when they go back to uh, present him to the Lord, uh, it's after a 40-day delay for Mary to uh, uh, be ready to be received back to the temple. And at that time, just so you know, uh, two different offerings had to be made by, uh, on behalf of Mary. Uh, Mary had to, uh, according to the law, had to give a burn offering and a sin offering. The burn offering was given uh, because she was defiled by the uh, Levitical law. Uh, the, uh, you can look that up. That's uh, uh, in uh, Leviticus 12, verses 2 through 8. Uh, there's a, a recording of that, uh, what was necessary. And then uh, along with that was also a sin offering had to be made to reinstate her into a relationship with God, a, a receiving relationship with God where uh, she could do that. So for being defiled, and then secondly, for the, just the sin of brokenness, and that's the sin of, uh, of, for me to say it this way, it's the sin that comes into the world through every birth because of the, uh, of the, uh, of the sin uh, from the Garden of Eden, clear back. So uh, she gave birth, she's defiled, now she has to reinstate her heart with the Lord and so on. So those two things are recorded in Leviticus. So it says in verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So there's another issue. If you gave birth to a son and it was a firstborn son, God owned that son. It's something that we don't talk much about, but uh, the Lord uh, lays claim. He sanctifies that firstborn son to a Jewish family. And uh, that meant that he owned the son. So uh, another issue came up, and that's recorded in Numbers chapter 18, verses 15 and 16, whereby if parents wanted to do the right thing, they had to actually purchase their son from God to take that son into their own care for the rest of their lives. Uh, it cost five shekels. So now there's two sacrifices, uh, either a lamb uh, or two turtle doves, two uh, 
two uh, doves, two turtle doves for the uh, first offering. Then the second offering required a, uh, usually a bird sacrifice, a dove or so on. And then you had to pay five shekels as well if you wanted to have that son in your own care and not be uh, given to the, the priest. You recall uh, Hannah who had a birth, uh, birth uh, Samuel, the prophet. She gave Samuel to the Lord, and so she would not have paid five shekels. She returned him to be raised in the temple. So it's something that's not recorded here, but that's what took place. And I only point that out today because of the complications and the cost of even having a male son born. I don't know about you, but I know that uh, many of you who have had children in the last 10, 20 years, uh, it's expensive to have a child. How many, how many it cost to have your kids? Uh, about a million bucks? Uh, something like that, David? Uh, cumulative, five kids, uh, that's, that's a, lot of, a lot of dough. Uh, but you have to, uh, you know, it costs money today. And we sometimes say, wow, it's so expensive. But guess what? In this culture, it was still expensive. And God, the son, his mother, was not spared the cost of having God as a child. It was an inconvenience in many ways, not just the cost, but uh, as we know the story, how they had to move about. They had to go to Egypt, and they, uh, they have to have a lot of things happening. And, and I always think about the fact that we're not going to talk about it in Matthew. I just think about the fact that their own son was being hunted down by King Herod to kill him. I mean, that's the cost of having a child uh, named Jesus in this story. Verse 25 then comes to us, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, much like Zacharias, the priest. This is uh, Simeon, the prophet, and he was just and devout, waiting for the consolation or the, the peace of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, this is important to us today. Um, here's a guy who's lived all of his life. He's aged. He's uh, much a contemporary of Zacharias. Uh, so he's up there. He's uh, thrilled that he's seeing the Messiah before he dies. He's, he's thrilled that the consolation of Israel, the peace of Israel, the uh, the blessing of God over Israel is something that he's seeing, the instrument through which that would take place as he comes and takes this babe in his arms. I, I, I'm, th- I'm thinking about, uh, as a dad, I guess I'm thinking about the fact that as a good father in a home, one of the things that would be our responsibility as a dad and as someone who professes to love the Lord is the responsibility of hoping that our kids would follow the path of Christ. And I'm going to tell you that there could be no greater blessing for a dad who has that motive than to know that before he dies, he's able to see that. It's, it's got to be one of the greatest responsibilities we have as fathers. And, and honestly, it's something that before you are led out of this life, if you can die in the peace of knowing your kids have found Christ as Lord and Savior, there's nothing greater than that, really, honestly, in our life. What a blessing it would be to know that. Here's a man who's, this is not his child, but this is the child that's going to save his own life, and it's sort of the culmination of that, and he's thrilled before God that he has this opportunity. So so he came, uh, verse 27, by the Spirit into the temple, 
And when the parents brought the child Jesus uh, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Before we look at what he said, just again to remind ourselves that uh, here's a prophet of God who's, who's moving into the story by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's, uh, it's interesting, he doesn't have the Spirit of God dwelling in him like you and I do. But he has the Spirit of God who is speaking into him and directing him to go to the temple on a certain day at a certain time. He goes into the temple. He, he uh, finds this couple there with the baby, and he somehow knows this is the right child. And, of course, he knows his name is Jesus. That would be a great hint. And uh, also just the uh, fact that he was stirred by God to go. But it, it reminds me again, folks, that you and I, sometimes we, we play down we play down the Holy Spirit in our lives. We, we, we sometimes are so careful and cautious because we don't want to ever say, uh, well, God spoke to me. And when someone tells me that, sometimes I cringe a little bit. I back up. I, I pause. I want to I take this carefully because I don't always know if they're hearing God or not. But if the Holy Spirit is speaking, there's certainly a sense that it's not a question mark. It's usually I know what I should do or I know what, what God's calling me to do. Have you ever been prompted to write a letter to somebody or go see somebody that you know you haven't even talked to them in ages and there's a prompting from God. You know it's God. You, you can't escape it because it's on your conscience. And uh, that may be how God's speaking. Here God's leading him by the Spirit into the temple on this particular day. and He knows exactly what he's doing, why he's there. And uh, he lifts this child up and then says this great statement. Look at verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. There's that exit out of this world, knowing that this blessing has come into his life. And he says, according to your word. That little addition is so critically important for us. As you go into this new year, we live by the word of God and nothing else. It's the word of God that has you know, given us a foundation that allows us to, you know, this, this enables us to uh, predicate our whole life on God's word and nothing less. So when I want to know what I should do, when I, I want to know what, where I'm going, what I'm, why I'm here, what, what my purpose is, uh, I find all of that uh, as I'm directed through the word of God. And according to your word is, is, what, is why this whole story is unfolding. It's all... Uh, revealing to us how God's unveiling word and its uh, prophecy is being fulfilled and so on. And it's an amazing, amazing story. But it's not just a story for the times. It's a story for us today. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for before the face of all peoples. He says, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Okay, again, uh, it's an amazing statement. Do you realize that this is the sort of the tail end of the Christmas story? It's him just being born and uh, maybe uh, uh, the affirmation from the shepherds. Now, 40 days later, we're having this statement made about him. So it's fresh. And the statement is a statement that is all-inclusive of you sitting here today. In other words, here's a script that was written almost 2,000 years ago. And the script includes your faith in Christ, right here in the page. Folks, it's an amazing thing. When I get excited about something in my study, I always think, how can I get someone else to be as excited as I am? 
I know it's the first, and maybe you had a party last night, but this is the only reason why you're sitting here today, is that statement. A light to bring uh, revelation to the Gentiles. I want you to see uh, over in John chapter 1. Let me just read this reminder that John wrote about the Son of God. I'm just going to read a few verses here. It begins with this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, who are we talking about? Let's quickly jump down to 14, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. So we can go back to the top, and when we read this, we know that we're reading about the one who became the Son of God. In heaven, he wasn't called the Son of God. In heaven, he wasn't called Jesus. In heaven, if nothing else, he's called the Word here for us. He's the Word and the uh, authority on legs of God, if you want to put it that way. But look what it says. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a day when in your life, if you didn't know Christ in in your past, when you did not really fully get it or understand or maybe not even care until God spoke to you and revealed himself, it just wasn't in your dial. And then suddenly you are aware of who he is, and, and it becomes uh, an incredible thing. So verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light. We're talking about John the Baptist giving witness of the light that all through this light might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was, not, uh, was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, this is talking about us here this morning, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This one who came as a light coming into our lives, revealing himself, enabling me to understand who he is. And uh, if there's anything that you need to hear entering into 2023, is that this light is, I hope, in your life today, the light of Christ. It gives you purpose and meaning and fulfillment. So this, this revelation to the Gentiles, verse 33, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of, them, of him. This is just pouring in to these parents as they're hearing all of this. Then Simeon blessed them. And then he said to Mary, his mother. There's three things he's going to say that are incredibly important here. First, he says, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. The first thing he's saying is that this child is destined for someone to fall. I want to say it this way. First of all, without this child, everyone in this room and everyone you know would be destined to fall. To fall into a horrendous end of their human life into an eternal darkness and separation and what we call hell. So this child is destined for either those who will 
reject him or be disinterested, that will be their fall. But it'll also, he's also destined for the rising of many. That's talking about those who place their faith in him will have this sense of resurrection one day and living with him in eternity. That's what it means. And so many will reject him, but there are others who will receive him. And unfortunately, there are more that will reject him than receive him. And that's a sad thing. But honestly, that's what he's saying here. This child is destined for the fall and rising of many. Look at the second thing. And for a sign which will be spoken against. This child is uh, destined to be a sign uh, that will be spoken against. Now, the only sign I know of that was spoken against is the sign of the cross. The cross is a sign that is hated by so many, as I said earlier. Uh, If I can have Jesus as a good man, kind man, great man, almost perfect man, gentle Jesus, loving shepherd, what do you think about those kind of images that sometimes we want our kids to pick up? I mean, that's lovely. But Jesus said himself, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring uh, division. He came to uh, confront. He came to love us, but in his loving goodness and graciousness, he came to confront us about the truth of who he is. And that confrontation turns into uh, a sign that many have spoken against and have hated him because of it. And the cross has become that uh, very difficult place uh, that uh, is, is hard. And, and people want to reject him for the fact of the cross. Uh, Peter wrote a, a, a statement about that in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, where he said this about uh, this whole situation. He said... Uh, Uh, Verse 6 of chapter 2. Therefore it is uh, contained in the scripture that behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore to you who believe he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumbled because being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Uh, there's this clear understanding that there's really two ways with Jesus, his way or against him. And if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're by default and by perhaps just not even caring, you're already on the side of standing against him. And that's a problem. And that is uh, the stumbling block and the lines driven uh, has been placed in the sand about uh, where, where you believe you either step over and say I receive the, his death on the cross for me or, I, or I, uh, I choose my own way and that's what it is a sign which is spoken against well then in verse 35 there's a third statement that he made to Mary yes a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mary is going to be the, uh, the woman who will stand at the foot of a bloody, wretched cross and watch her son pay the penalty for her sin. I, I don't know if any of us could grasp that. It's, it's one thing to say someone 
over there in another nation uh, paid a price for me and died for me, but stand at the foot of his cross. Have him be your child and realize that it's your sin that put him on the cross. Uh, that, that's, that's heavy. A sword will pierce through your own soul. Uh, she doesn't know what that means yet, but even just a short time after this was written, she had to flee with Joseph and flee to Egypt because of Herod. And the fact that Herod would slay all the two-year-old and below infants in Bethlehem to try to kill Jesus, even that is a sword in their heart. I mean, there's some sense of they escape, but yet they bear the heartache of that. They're a part of the story. They're the reason for that. You know, that, 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 that itself is, is an enormous thing to carry. And Mary had to carry that through her life and then watch him grow, watch him, and then release him. I, I say all of this again because when our own kids uh, or our own friends uh, want nothing to do with Christ and they reject the truth and reject him, maybe some of you have had that experience, you know how that tears your own heart. You know how it hurts. And so, again, you just, we're just asking God. Some of you have asked for prayer for your kids, and we're asking God on behalf of your kids this year that they would find Christ or return to Christ, whatever the, the prayer might be, because that's a sword that really does pierce the heart of a parent. The thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Don't you just want your uh, loved ones to wake up one day and say, I'm a sinner. I, I, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. And, uh, and turn their hearts and lives over to the one who can save them. That, that's, that's what you want to have happen, not stand before God on judgment day and say, Lord, I, I, have, I have no answer. I have no excuse. And he says, I don't know you. Depart from me. That, that's, that's a wretched, horrible feeling that in the gut of my own soul, I don't want to ever have to think about for somebody I love. Okay, so that's the story. For us, I want to turn and just close with something a little more uh, of a blessing and positiveness to send you into the new year. And I want you to go to Titus chapter 3 just for a moment because that's the story, but we're near the other end of the story. We're 2,000 years later almost, and here we are. And so what does it mean for us, this great story of Christmas? You see, because for you and I, the, the truth will always keep us through the darkest moments of my life, the, uh, the sense of my days nearing their end, and even as I pray in my own devotions now, I'm asking God to do certain things, accomplish certain things in my life and others, and uh, wanting to see those things before I exit this world. And here's the greatest truth I can have on my lips I think, one of the greatest statements out of Scripture that Paul wrote to Titus, starting in verse 3 of chapter 3. He says this, For we ourselves, and that means we who are believers, we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, and even hating one another, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. 
through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And then he says, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. What, what has happened in our lives through Christ is the unbelievable story. It's, it's the constant thread of truth in our lives that raises us out of darkness, out of hopelessness, out of trials, out of stresses. It's that truth that is the anchor of our life, the foundation of our life, that uh, you and I, as believers in Christ, we cling to this because it's an unbelievable thing that happened to us. I couldn't do one thing to earn this, is what the scripture is saying. It's all through God's kindness that he has chosen to do this act on our behalf, not because I performed something, impressed God, did anything that would uh, cause God to be uh, you know, proud of me as a person and uh, enough for him to give his life for me? No, nothing. But according to his mercy only, he has chosen to go to the cross and die to give you access to him. Isn't that great? It's the, uh, <clears throat> it's the one thing going into this year that I can step in with assurance and hope and strength and confidence, it's in this truth that he has poured upon me uh, his uh, forgiveness, his Holy Spirit by changing my life and continues to do that. That's all packed in those verses. And then I am now standing before God justified, not because I did anything, but because I placed faith in the one who did everything. Amen? But I trust that as we uh, step into 2023 that our hearts would be more and more drawn to him. And whatever cataclysmic thing happens in this world, in this time frame, maybe in your own life, uh, you can walk forward in the peace of Christ, in the strength of the one who has given you everything through his son, Jesus Christ. We are heirs because of what he's done. It's an amazing truth. So the story starts out tough and difficult. And our story has difficult moments, tough moments. And today, it's not going to be any easier this next year. If you've given your life to Christ uh, in the last 10 years even, uh, it's just going to get tougher. Living for Christ is not easy. And uh, I think our days of easy Christianity are just waning away. And it's a wake-up call, isn't it? 2023, stand firm in Christ uh, who is your faith? And don't yield to the world or to anything that tempts us to set aside our firm belief in who he is. And so that's 2023. Let's do it together. Let me pray. Lord, uh, your word is true today as it was long ago when you allowed it to be written by men of, who are holy men who followed you. Lord, this, uh, this word that we call the Bible the living word of God is your story to us with all the details of how we live by faith and what you've done by giving your son for us. Lord, whether someone's sitting here or listening 
today, may you be real in their hearts, Lord, in the voices of the world that are uh, shouting uh, from every direction to get our attention, to cause us to look everywhere else. May our eyes be drawn by your spirit to see you and to see your cross and to see your uh, loving death for us on a cross that your shed blood would forgive our sins and allow us to have a faith that's real and vibrant and one day we will rise to eternity with you when you call us home. Lord, I, I pray that a person today would not follow other truths that are not truths at all, just false, false truths. May that not happen. May your power be uh, ever working in our lives as we pray for loved ones we love, that we care about friends and family. I ask for your mercy and grace over those that we love. Reach them. Uh, Lord, call them to yourself. And we uh, commit these things to you because we're, we're, we're not able to do this ourselves, but you can. Thank you for uh, 2023 and whatever this, this year holds for us. But we, may we be faithful through it all. I pray for every believer here today. For the person who does not know you, Lord, may you touch their lives today and call them. We give you praise. Thank you for the day and for the week and the start of a new calendar. Uh, may we live it all.